Welcome to the Campus Outreach Podcast, where we want to equip you to make your college years count for eternity. I'm your host, Tyler Olson, also known as T-Roll, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, Ben Weber. Ben, how you doing, man? I'm good to go. Back again. Here number, we are. Number two, man. We're week two of the podcast. We're veterans now. We have officially made it to week two, all right? So I think when we make it to week three, we'll get a trophy, a trophy but... Yeah, man, we're here. So last week we talked about the Bible, right? We talked about why the Bible is best, and it's the best way to start your day, the best way to get rolling. Uh, But now today we're going to talk about how do we actually read the Bible? How do we actually do it, Ben? That's it. That's it. Sorry. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to break it down in in two different ways. We're going to talk about the wrong ways to approach Scripture and also the right ways to approach Scripture. So uh, we got four wrong ways that a lot of people will typically read scripture in these ways. Ben, why don't you hit us with the first one? Yeah, and these are common pitfalls, mistakes that people make when they approach scripture. And and the first one's easy to make, and I I, I tend to fall into this pitfall from time to time, where we approach God's Word as a how-to manual. Okay. Here's what I mean. We, we, We almost liken it to a manual for successful Christian living. So we we treat it just like we would, you know, a Dave Ramsey financial advice book, where if we can just follow these steps, we can have a successful overcoming life. But, but there's a problem with that because the Bible is primarily not about what we do to achieve satisfaction. It's about what God has done to save and satisfy us. And look, no doubt, there are sections of Scripture where God commands us to do something, to go somewhere, but, but almost always before we find a section of scripture where there are commands, the first thing God will mention is you need to believe this or trust in what I've done. See, when we approach God's word, like a how to manual, we're making it still mainly about us. And we're not the main subject. We're not the hero of the Bible. It's all about Jesus. The gospel is not that we save ourselves, but that only Jesus saves. So that's one problem right there. There you go. I think, I think another problem, another one is, a lot of times people will go to the Bible as if it's some sort of theology textbook, right? So basically, instead of going to the Bible and allowing it to be nurturing to our soul, what I'm really trying to do is just get as much head knowledge as possible. I'm trying to become a master of these doctrinal points, of these uh, points of theology, and I'm trying to be the smartest guy in the room. Like, I know there was a, a season of my life where that, was, that is what my Bible study looked like. That's what my devotion time looked like, trying to get as much knowledge as possible on different theology points. And, you know, theology is obviously a good thing. We want to study theology, but if, if, if you make it the only thing or the essential thing, it can very much become a pitfall because, really, you're missing out on— just the love of God and his care and his affection for you. If you're just focused on, if, if, if I'm just focused on trying to um, be the smartest guy in the room, which I'm not, but if I'm focused on that, I'm really missing a lot of God. You That's know what right. I'm saying? That's right. Yeah. We never want to miss the importance of just knowing God personally. Exactly. So, very exactly. Good. Very How good. about number three, Ben? Number three is we just pick and choose. We pick and choose. And, and look, I recognize that we are good Southerners on this podcast. Most <laughs> of the students that we're, Uh, talking to and listening to us, have a general respect for the Bible. But there are certain sections that we run up against, and we might say, this is primitive, or this is outdated, or maybe this doesn't apply to me because I'm single, because I live in the year 2020, because I'm a college student. We like to pick and choose what we obey and what is 
um, what, what, what is mandatory for us. So the classic example of picking and choosing would actually be Thomas Jefferson. So not going to give you a history lesson here. This is one of our founding fathers. But you know this about, about Thomas Jefferson, that he actually took a razor and glue to his Bible, and he removed all supernatural references to God from his Bible. So Interesting. All miracles of Jesus, and especially the resurrection, he just cut them out. He removed them uh, be, because he was a naturalist. He was very scientific, and so he just cut them out. And look, we might say that's laughable, that's crazy, that's insane, but we do the same thing. Okay, We do this in our culture. We do this as a generation. We do this individually. I mean, think about our modern society. We like to emphasize the fact that God is merciful and that he's loving. We pick that. But we tend to avoid the other attributes of God, like his wrath or, or, or the fact that, he's, sure. uh, that he judges or that he's holy. And so one of the things that we've got to keep in mind, a lot of the classic verses that describe Scripture uh, point to its correcting power. So I think about 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, correction, and training in righteousness. So one question you might want to ask yourself is, when is the last time the Bible corrected me? I think about Hebrews 4, where it describes God's Word as living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit. So once again, you've got to ask yourself, when is the last time that God's Word has pierced me? Uh, Romans 3 says that we are not saved through the works of the law because through the law comes knowledge of sin. Final question would be, when is the last time I read God's Word and it revealed Hmm. new knowledge of sin? The point I'm trying to make is this, is if each and every time you read the Bible and it affirms your way of thinking, your behavior, your emotions, or your affections, if you give yourself a pat on the back and say, look how good I'm doing, you're reading it the wrong way. Because the Bible discloses the very character of God. God is holy and perfect, and we are not. And therefore, by definition, the Bible is going to correct the way we live and the way we think. Yeah, wow. That's a, that's a good word, man. Okay, how about number four? Are you ready for it? Bring it. So I'll give, you, I'll give you a little phrase that you might like here, Ben. How about Motivation Monday? There we go. Okay? So here's what I mean by this, all right? There's a, it's, it's really easy. And again, I've done this before where the way that I read the Bible is I go to it, and I'm just looking for a little pick-me-up. I'm just looking for a little encouragement. I'm just looking, honestly, I'm looking for something that's going to make me feel good. It's, it's similar in some ways to what you just said, but way more in a simplistic kind of way. You know, before I go to practice, I want to read a verse that just gives me some energy, some excitement, some confidence, right? That's right. Before I start my day, I might want to do something similar where I just, I just want to feel good before I get going. Um, and it's, you know, you might just run to one or two verses that are, on a, you might find on a coffee mug or you might find trending on Instagram, but very much motivation Monday, this whole idea that, man, I'm just, I'm just looking for verses that are going to make me feel good, make me feel comfortable and really aren't going to challenge me really aren't going to help me in actually growing in my walk with God and deepening my knowledge of God or my relationship with him. I just need something to get me through this next hour, get me through this, this class or whatever I'm about to get into. For sure. For sure. No doubt God's word should lead to courage and inspiration, but at the same time, it's going to conform my life. It's going to make me more like Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So, so we outlined four ways we get it wrong. 
I think I know where you're going now, Ben. Where we got to go next. We got to talk about how to get it right. All right, and let's so do it. We're going to keep it really basic. We're just going to take a couple minutes and talk about the before, the during, and the after, really. Um, if I'm going to devote my mornings to actually reading and studying God's Word, what should it look like? And, and I would say before, before you even open God's Word is a really critical time because you got to prepare your heart. Okay, you got to prepare your heart. And once again, I referenced a couple verses in Psalm 119 last week. I'm going to do the same thing because it's all about the right way to handle God's Word. And in verse 6, it, it says this, that our eyes should be fixed on your commandment. Now, now that command right there, fixing our eyes, it really means focus. It, it means gaze. Therefore, I want to limit distractions. And, and I said it last week, but most of us sleep with our phone right next to us. And 90% of us immediately check our phone each and every morning. This would be a challenge, but I would encourage you to do this. This has really revolutionized my time with God. Yeah. Is that I have a little mantra, and it's this. It's that Bible before phone. Mm. Okay? Bible before phone. I know know that is shocking, challenging, scandalous to a college student. (laughs) But before you check social media, Instagram, text messages— Spend time with God. In fact, here's how far I would go. I would say you, you either need to turn your phone off or you need to put it out of sight, like in another room. Yeah. Because even when you get the phone, you know, on vibrate only, silent, if it's buzzing, vibrating, it's going to reduce your memory and your ability to focus and fix your eyes on God's word. And, and here's why. It's because God wants your presence. And, and, and anytime we have our phone out, it causes absence, whether you're at your dining room, eating dinner with your family, uh, hanging out with your friends. But we all have those friends who are scrolling through their phones when we're trying to have a heartfelt conversation. God wants to meet with us. And anytime we have our phone out, we're trying to be two places at once. We're trying to carry on two conversations. Inevitably, it leads to being no places at all. Sure. Okay. So that, that's before. And the second I would say, during, as you're reading God's Word, when, when you, one thing I would encourage you to do is just read all of Psalm 119. Like I said, it's the longest chapter in the book of the Bible. It'll take you at least 20 minutes, depending on your reading level. <laughs> but you'll see a variety of ways that we approach God's Word. There's yeah. no one set way. I mean, we're commanded to study it, uh, to seek it out, to learn from it. We should memorize God's Word. We should hide it in our heart. We should meditate on it. We should rejoice, we should praise, we should lift up our hands. So the list goes on and on. What we see the psalmist doing in 119, Psalm 119 is he's studying, he's singing, he's reading, he's praying. It's affecting his head, his heart, his hands, because he's going out and he's doing it. But, but here's what we see. He's not only studying Scripture, Scripture is studying him. Hmm. He's dissecting God's Word. But then God's word dissect his heart. He's searching the word, but then the Holy Spirit searches him as well. So it's a multifaceted, we're employing a variety of means as we read, study, meditate, engage with God's word. That's good. So what about after we, we read God's word? That's right. Before, during, after is critical as way. And I think you guys know where we're going. You got to obey, right? We've got to apply it. One thing that's really interesting, the longest sermon that Jesus delivers is called the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, it's the biggest chunk of red. And at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, here's how Jesus wraps up his sermon. He says, look, if you want to be a wise man, you need to hear the word and you need to do it. And in fact, he says, you can be a fool and still hear my word. So wisdom comes from applying God's word. Uh, the book of James talks about having faith that leads to works. 
So going back to Psalm 119 as well, when we obey or apply God's word, we need to do it eagerly. The psalmist in Psalm 119 says, I'm running in the way. So how do you respond to God's word? Do you do it begrudgingly? Are you walking? Are you shuffling? Are you crawling in obedience? Or are you saying, look, I'm going to run. I'm going to sprint. I'm going to joyfully, eagerly apply God's word to my life. And so here's something that I've done. It's really simple, really basic. You need to write this down. But every time I read the Bible, okay, I come up with one application. An application is just something practical that I can apply to my life. And, and I just come up with one, not, not 12, not five, something not even three or two, just one yeah. way I can think differently. I can talk differently. Something to start doing, something to stop doing, a different mindset, different approach. Because if I can just take one thing, I can chew on that as I go throughout my day. That's good. That's good, Ben. Pretty basic. Now, let, let me just say one more thing, uh, T-Roll, is that also we, we need to obey eagerly, but we also need to talk about God's word openly. Mm. And we all know this principle, especially for my men and women who are education majors. You guys know this as students. Anytime your professor assigns you a project on a certain topic, right, and you got to stand before your class and you got to make the presentation, you inevitably become what? A master on this topic. And the phrase is this, that the teacher learns the most. And so we need to speak about God's word boldly and openly. Because we do this all the time with the other words that we read and the messages that we watch, right? Immediately with our friends, our classmates, our roommates, and our teammates, we love talking about the current events. We love talking about the big game. We love talking about what's going on in the news, what people are posting on Instagram or Snapchat, why would God's word be any different, right? God's word is exciting. It's compelling. It's a story. It's the ultimate source of truth. We should be willing to talk about it openly with our friends. Yeah. Amen. That's a good word. Well, Ben, I think as we're talking about application and applying God's word, I think there's even an, an added emphasis on it right now in this season, in the pandemic season. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, this is a unique semester i'm used to once again preaching god's word but doing it in front of students and now i'm staring at a microphone so this is also going to affect the way that we actually read and take in god's word and i just want to give you give you solace give you hope because when i study the life of jesus one of the things that's really interesting that in the darkest most difficult lonely and confusing moments of jesus's life we see him meditating and quoting the bible and, and I would just say this, once again, during this pandemic, it's been confusing. It's caused anxiety. We're probably feeling overwhelmed and isolated. If Jesus needed to meditate on God's word, what does this mean for you and I? We've got to do the same thing. Okay? Let me give you one verse, and this is where we'll wrap it up. Mark 1.12 says this, that the Spirit drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. So, this is when Jesus was around 30 years old. He's about to launch his public ministry. And before he starts teaching, preaching, and performing miracles, Jesus spends 40 days in total isolation, the wilderness, the desert, where he's receiving the full court press from the devil himself. Okay, you thought your quarantine was bad, T-Roll? Yeah, that's, pretty, that's, that's much worse. <laughs> okay, this is the ultimate. And you know this? This is actually where we get the word quarantine from. Quarantine in the Latin means 40 days. It's a 40-day period. Interesting. And here's how Jesus or Christ himself <laughs> went through the ultimate quarantine because he had no food. 
He was completely alone. Okay, he had no Netflix, no Wi-Fi, no friends, no cafeteria, uh, no Uber Eats, and he was tempted by Satan himself. Okay, it was the ultimate form of isolation and temptation. And every time that Satan comes at him, do you know what Jesus does? Quotes scripture. That's right. Three times he quotes scripture. So the point I'm trying to make is this. In every moment when Jesus faces adversity, he literally bleeds the word of God. Because Jesus has stored up God's word in his heart. It gives him courage. right? It gives him focus. It compels him to obedience. And honestly, it sustains him as he goes to the cross. Wow. And so once again, I just say this. If Jesus needed scripture, if he quoted, meditated, recited God's word when he was in the desert, how much more do we in our experience of quarantine right now? Yeah, quite a bit. Amen. Well, that's a good word, Ben. I think we, uh, we covered quite a bit here on this podcast, so we'll probably wrap it up. Um, but we just want to thank our listeners and thank everyone who has been checking out the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, leave us a review if you don't mind. That helps us uh, as well. And come on back next week because we're going to have more to cover on the Campus Outreach Podcast. Ben, any, any parting words? That's it. We're just fired up to keep this thing going. Wonderful. We will see you guys next week. Have a wonderful day. Yeah.